It's the Depression to Expression podcast, my friends. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Seriously, I appreciate your ears. I appreciate the reviews. I appreciate your emails. I appreciate you. Now, we have quite the treat in this episode. Man, my friend Corinne, she has quite the story. You want to stay tuned for this one if, um, you know, she really made me realize how important our adolescence really is. And how what happens in childhood and through high school and elementary school can still have a profound impact on how we see the world and how we feel today. This is a story of of tremendous adversity um, through bullying that she experienced. And man, she is such a bright and warm soul. And Corinne is actually a big supporter of depression to expression. She's on she's on Patreon. She's a big big supporter. And if you ever want to join Patreon and meet Corinne and meet me and join our live streams, a couple bucks a month, you know where to go, patreon.com/depression2expression. We'd love to have you there and uh, have a great convo. So, I'm done chatting. Are you ready for this? Okay. Thank you for your ears, my friends and Corinne. I love you so much. Long Island, here comes the accent, a Canadian and an American, head to head. Here we go. Yeah, we're starting. This is it. Wait, hold on. Wait, let me get my coffee. Now I need to hold it. (laughs) I'm getting nervous. (laughs) No, we're going to keep all this in. Oh, no. All right. Corinne, we're live, actually. I didn't tell you this was being live broadcast. I hate you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you got your coffee there. We're good. Mm -hmm, We're good. Welcome to Toronto. Thank you. What do you think of the city so far? Beautiful. Beautiful. Everyone is really nice. I haven't seen any rats. It doesn't smell like sewage here like New York City. (laughs) Did you know New York City, though, actually has the best tap water in the world? It does. Yeah. You're right. Is there there like... Your tap water is like subpar and... No, you're right. Actually, <laughs> no, I didn't. It's actually gi- not that bad. It's not that bad. I didn't give you any tap water here. Maybe after, and you can do like I a little comparison, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Depends where. Like in my condo, in the older pipes, so I put it mm-hmm. through the Brita filter, but it has a little metal tang. That's okay. To it, yeah. You kind of get used. Sound that bad? No, it's not that bad. <laughs> so you're in Toronto for how long? Oh, for the sorry for those listening. And watching. Yes. Corinne is a longtime supporter of Depression to Expression. Mm-hmm. So obviously she's on the podcast, but she has quite the story that we want to get into, but we're going to keep it light first. Yes. Okay. So, breezy. yes, breezy. So you're from Long Island. And for those also listening, uh, how do you say coffee in Long Island? <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Co- and how do you coffee. say, and how do you say all? All. And there you go. All, all coffee, dog. <laughs> dog. It's literally Long Island, New York, Strong Island. <laughs> dog is it's literally D A W G. That's how. You, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dog. How do you say it? Dog. But That's then the Canadian wrong, accent really. is yeah, it's totally wrong. That's incorrect. Canadian accent is just a boat. A and boat. Out, an A. An A, which you know Okey-dokey, I love. A. I love saying A though. I like it. Yeah. I might bring it back to Long Island. You should. Um, teach people, the people a thing or two. Yeah, and just keep saying sorry to everyone, and then Did it you all. Say sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. A lot. Sorry. How do I say sorry or I think sorry? Sorry. How do you say bagel? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> bagel or bagel? Bagel. Yeah. So I say bagel. Are you kidding? Yeah. 
it's bad. I can't tell if you're being serious. <laughs> well, you're well for those also watching. Uh, Corinne's friend is in the room, and I think she she was sitting here <laughs> behind the camera, and she just left because I think she's laughing. She's... Yeah, this, this is not. <laughs> Leave the room. Yeah, this is okay. We got it. We got to start this. We so got to start. All, yes. Let's okay, go. Long Island. What? What's it all about? How has it been living there? Tell me what it's like. If I were to visit Long Island, mm-hmm. what? What do I expect? You expect from the east to the west of the entire island to be completely as if they're different states. So all the way out in the east is fields, farms, cows, things like that get to the middle more suburbia then you go west and it's just completely shit after that because there's nowhere to park and you're going into the city and it's beautiful we're surrounded by beaches there's a lot of places you can hike um kayaking um people surf you know we have everything there that's beautiful and you grew up you grew up there you've been there your whole life whole life and growing up in Long Island, what what was it like as far as, let's start maybe in elementary school. What was your experience in elementary school in Long Island? Okay, so, so this is, you know, a mental healthy kind of podcast. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was it like growing up? What was your childhood like? Childhood was, yeah. my family was completely together. It seemed that everyth- everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. I was safe, always felt safe. Parents were together. Every holiday, you know, my dad's side and my mom's side would come together, huge parties. So that's what I was used to. And it was just, it was just comforting. And then when sixth grade came along, my parents got divorced. That's when shit hit the fan. And it's been, I've had a dysfunctional family, if you will, since then. I love them all to death, but it's, it's been a roller coaster since then, since 2001, sixth grade. 2001 sixth grade mm-hmm. it doesn't sound that long ago when you say 2001 but I it, feel like we're still in like maybe 2008 when I graduated high school so I know it's going <laughs> so, to be 2020 next year yeah. it, it blows my mind so when you think back to to grade six I think what's really cool about memory and interesting is when you think back to your child self you believe that you had the same brain as you do now You kind of put yourself back into that moment as you're thinking now. Mm -hmm. But when you look back to grade six and what was going on, how did you how did you deal with those things like the divorce and and all of that? So it was super. That was one of my first to me that was traumatic. So I've always been really super high, you know, hypersensitive to everything. I'm an emotional person. You know, I consider myself an empath for people that, you know, some people that knows what that means. It's like I feel everything just super intensely and energies and I'm just sensitive. So some kids wouldn't feel traumatized by their parents splitting up and then having to maybe move to a different school and make totally new friends. But to me, it was like it was like my world was coming to an end. So I just started middle school. I had friends. I was making friends. And right in the beginning of middle school, start of it parents got divorced and uh we had to me and my mom my brother we had to go live at my aunt and uncle's my dad and my sister at my house we were all separated and um it was wild and it was the first time i ever dissociated in my entire life in grade six grade six i can remember it like it was yesterday okay so i think the divorce part of your story um it's a common story for people but it doesn't mean that it should go 
um, extreme to the yeah or just like unnoticed and people shouldn't talk about it Mm because when you're younger that's like it's a big deal it is huge yeah you keep it all in because you're being it's like your parents you just you don't have a say in anything so if they say you're moving and you're up and leaving your house you've lived in your whole life and your neighborhood your friends you don't have a say in the matter and you feel helpless so it was like my world was just completely rocked and it was like we might have to go live in this small apartment we don't know where we're going or is it going to be a house where where is my dad gonna go where is my mom where who where are any of us going what is happening and i think a lot of people listening can connect to that um so this dissociative or sorry what did you what did you call that uh first time I ever dissociated first time you dissociated Mm -hmm. and are you still dealing with um this dissociation what is it called dissociative personality disorder so it's so it's a dissociative disorder okay so to just lay it all out on the line so everybody knows okay let's start it so I have complex PTSD okay I have depersonalization disorder and derealization disorder so anyone that doesn't know what that means I'll explain it. (laughs) So complex PTSD, the difference between complex and regular PTSD. Complex is when you experience traumatic events um, throughout a long period of time, like multiple every day. It goes on and on and on. Regular PTSD is usually when just one event happens, when unfortunately someone just gets raped one time. Um, Or, you know, it's anything you, you get physically abused. Maybe it's one time. But what I went through, um, which I told you, which I'll say, is that in high school, 11th grade, I was bullied every day for the entire year. So now, over the years, that was 2006, and we're in 2019. So from then, I have gone to therapists, I've been on different medications, and it's so much harder to deal with complex PTSD because you have multiple traumatic events that you're trying to process. This isn't just, it would be easier. I wish that I had one horrible traumatic event because it would be so much fucking easier to process. Now I have a laundry list of things that were done to me that it is taken eons, it feels like, to process the trauma, which I'm still going through. And this, but did this start in grade six? Was there any bullying in grade six? So from, from grade six to eleven, what was what was going on in your life? So actually, um, we ended up so we ended up staying in my town. Uh, me, my mom, my brother, my sister, my dad moved um, to a different town, which was still close to us. So we stayed. And in middle school, I was super skinny. And then people, I was actually that was the first time I was getting bullied a little bit. I still had a lot of friends, but it wasn't as extreme as high school. So people started saying I was bulimic or anorexic and I'm like and I would just make my and it just felt I felt horrible I would just look in the mirror and I was just and I started dissociating again because I was like I can't change this about myself and I couldn't do anything about it I ate cheeseburgers every day I had pizza like I I couldn't do anything and people the kids are just horrible and relentless and they don't give a shit in grade 11 so all year you were bullied um and because of that you know this has lasted over the or you've been working through and processing mm-hmm. what has happened yes. what's what's that journey been like to to reprocess that and kind of revisit those those memories because when people hear about bullying mm-hmm. um 
I don't think they really connect with how serious it can be and, and nope. affect the psychology of someone in that critical state in grade 11 right. when there's so much change happening and you're mm-hmm. you know creating an identity for yourself and seeing how the world works. What's that process been like um, dealing with that? Well, so but when I started high school in ninth grade, that's when I really blossomed. I wasn't the shy girl anymore. I went to parties. I made so many friends. And then you know, I rubbed a lot of girls the wrong way when I was, I had mostly guy friends because that's just, I was, I guess I was just the chill one. I just got along with guys better and I didn't like the catty girls. I wasn't like them. I would, and they didn't like that I wasn't like them, I think. And so, you know, then they all ganged up on me and, you know, just uh, groups of girls, the quote unquote popular group of girls. I was not friends with them I never would be a lot of people hated them but they would never stand up to them because they would have what you know something that that what I was being bullied and what was done to me so over the years of processing 11th grade has been an absolute fucking nightmare and from 11th grade I've had other traumatic things happen that may not be as extreme as that but because I wasn't able to process 11th grade completely now I you're now you're putting other events on top of that and everything is getting layers and layers and layers and it is takes so long to break through the layers for me to even get to the core of where this all started. So it's just this monumental hill of of traumatic things then so that's why it's been so hard and I do trauma work in therapy and it has taken a very long time for me to get where I am today. So can we rewind then and maybe peel back some of the layers? If we were talking about, or you mentioned grade six, Mm -hmm. that's when you dissociated for the first time. Yes. What does that feel like? And do you still, does that still happen to you? Yes. So if you want, I'll tell you the, what happened. The, I remember it so vividly as if I could be there right now, which is funny because when you dissociate, it's like you almost don't remember, but because it was so extreme, I couldn't believe the feeling that I got. I'll never forget. I was walking through the hallways of middle school. I was on my way to history class. And I remember thinking like, you know what? I'm like, I was just questioning, like, I, you know, I was going through the divorce and everything and I felt so fucked up. And I was just like, you know what? What is this world? Where am I? What am I looking at? What is everything? I don't know. And then I was completely in my head. I wasn't even in my body. I was completely out of body and I just was not here at all. And I was on autopilot. So I'm walking to my class and then I see that no one is in my class. So I immediately, I panic and I'm like, oh my God, what day is it? What time is it? What period is it right now? Uh, What class am I going to? And I started having a full on my first, that was like my first panic attack. It was so extreme because I wasn't expecting it. And I saw one of the kids from my class like pass by and I grabbed him and I was like, where is everyone? He's like, he's like, we're going to the auditorium. He's like, do you not see it says it on the chalkboard? I'm like, oh, okay. Because when you're dissociating, it's like all of your senses are almost so super heightened that you can't focus on things around you like I can't like calmly relax I'm like oh let me look at the chalkboard oh it says that it's like all of a sudden I everything just becomes blurry right. I can't see the world as if like spatially the correct way that it is it feels like I'm looking through binoculars but backwards 
That's a really good description. I know actually. I of that on the way here. That is really? That's really <laughs> good. I was like, really that's good. really, I think that it's, it's a good way to describe dissociating. Um, when, so during this dissociation moment, well, first of all, how long did that last? But when you were maybe walking, mm-hmm. uh, like were you in, did you feel in control of your, your movements of your body? It's, did you feel like it was someone else controlling the body, but you were in your mind? Yes. It was almost like I my body wasn't my own. Like I was just walking. It's You know what it is? The best way I could describe it too for anyone that doesn't really truly understand what it could feel like. So imagine when you're driving and you're going from point A to point B and you're just all of a sudden you finally get to your destination and you're just like, oh wow, like I don't even remember. Like how did I even get here? Like I just drove on autopilot. So imagine that but 10 times more extreme and it's 24-7. It makes you feel like you're crazy. And for anyone that's truly listening right now, I want to say that, you know, anxiety, depression, any disorders that you deal with and you start thinking like, oh my God, I'm going insane. I feel like I'm insane. I don't, I feel like I'm going crazy. Like this anxiety is so intense. Or if you have the dissociative shit, it makes you feel like you're literally going insane. But I want everyone to know that if you're questioning and you're scared of the fact that you're going insane, I will tell you, you are not. Because an actual real quote unquote crazy or insane person they're not scared of it they're not worrying about it they just are they just are and that's what they are and they don't question it Hmm. so you're not if you are worried about that no that's a that's a great point so if we move from then grade six through grade 11 was dissociation were you dealing with that all through through those years to grade 11 or did it stop it completely stopped for the most part, yeah. like in the middle of middle, you know, in the middle of middle school, because um, I was only dissociating a little bit, barely, maybe like once, once in a blue moon, mm-hmm. just from if I thought about the divorce or if I thought about being bullied, about being called anorexic and bulimic, and I would look at myself in the mirror and I would be like, I would have so much anxiety, I would feel so disgusted with myself that I felt like I could just, I was like, I felt like I could just throw up, like I literally was so intense and horrible. And it was like, you know, the kids just, they don't give a shit. They just want to, like, make fun of someone or bully them. But then again, I was also, I had a lot of friends, too. So it wasn't so extreme. Like, people weren't alienating me, like, when 11th grade came around. So from middle school to 11th grade, I was fine. I was doing great now. I made, I blossomed. I had so many friends. I was getting invited to all the parties. Like, kids above my grades my grade kind of sucked during that time but i mean people like throughout the years after high school i've actually become friends with a lot of people in my grade like we've connected we're all more mature now whatever um but i was friends with all the grades above me so i was getting you know invited to those parties and then when 11th grade came around that's when shit hit the fan and by shit hitting the fan do you want to go into this type of of bullying because it's yes you know, as I mentioned, people think of bullying as not as traumatic as it actually can be and is. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what was that experience like? Because I know a lot of listeners, too, they've either been there or they're going through that. And it's a feeling of, of not belonging and that yeah. you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And you do, may not know what and that you might is. Be the problem, but you're not the problem. It's them. Yeah, exactly. And it's a total mind fuck. It, it's a total yes, mind fuck. You're mm-hmm. completely turning yourself <laughs> inwards and thinking yes. everything is your fault because the they, world around you mm-hmm. is pointing fingers, saying you're the problem. Right. So, what was that like? What was what were they doing? Um, so, 
basically, I'll just spit it all out. Um, so basically, I had my group of girl girlfriends. They were my best friends. And I thought, and there was just a select couple of them, maybe like five of them. And, you know, I thought, like, they were my ride or die. Like, I'd take a bullet for them. They would take a bullet for me. But they, I was always the, the different one in the group. I was always the tomboyish one. I was always the one that was, like, I don't know, I just more, like, chill. Like, I wasn't, like you know, the prissy, they all had these sides to them that was more like, we're going to go to the club, we're going to go do this and do that. And we want to, you know, like very on the surface people, basically. And I was way deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's why I always was the different one in the group. So I didn't totally fit in, but they were still my best friends. So meanwhile, I didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes. I, they were all all this all of a sudden, it was like, they must have one day, collectively said you know what we're going to fucking annihilate corinne and ruin her life because you know what she's all pissed us off a little bit oh you know what she pissed me off because she became friends with my ex-best friend who i'm not friends with anymore and and i didn't know these social rules i didn't i'm like a you know like i'm a go with the flow i'm like i just i you know i love people if i get along with you i'm like i don't care what anyone else says like if i think you're cool then i think you're cool i'm not gonna i need to see things for myself firsthand and that rubbed a lot of girls the wrong way. And I had a lot of guy friends. And like, I think one time I made one of their boyfriends laugh at a joke and that pissed her off. <laughs> so it was all the insecurities. It was jealousy. Mm -hmm. It was this and that. I'm not boasting. It just, that's the honest truth. And, and before, I'll never forget. So right before 11th grade started, I, I pissed off the popular girl group who sucked. <laughs> let's call it like it is man. i mean yeah, yeah everyone knows that fucking group and they're yeah. terrible and nobody fucking likes them but they're scared of them because just the way they are nobody wants to fuck with them because they're assholes mm. and they're very you know materialistic they're just mean like they are bullies and if they see you and you're like that shy kid or something or they end up picking on you half the time because that's just what they do so the summer before i i ended up um like making out with one of their one of their ex-boyfriends and i was not aware that this was an issue i didn't think that that would be an issue because i'm like who cares why would that and why would this matter so then they found out and right in the beginning of 11th grade that was when my group of best friends collectively came together and fucking hated me and tried to ruin my life and on top of that now i had this huge group of popular girls that wanted to destroy me because they i pissed off this one girl because i made out with her ex-boyfriend over the summer and they didn't like that they were pissed off wow so, so that's how this all began it high school turned it's a jungle mm -hmm. you're in a very closed off bubble and it can be considered like doggy dog do or die it's I'm that kind of mentality yeah in the jungle and i can't I can't move. And you need to still go to, go. to, you still need to show up. You right. still need to go to school. Right. Who did you, did you talk to anyone about this? Was your family a support? Were there counselors at school? So this is great. So this is a great story too. Okay. So my family, obviously, were, they were super supportive. They were devastated that I was getting bullied by them. And it's funny because now i was never a kiss ass with teachers that's just not my style i really don't give a shit i come to school and then i go home 
I'm not like those girls because there are those girls that are all chummy with teachers and they're like the popular ones. And a lot of teachers get off on that and they mm-hmm. like them. Yeah, give and the I, teacher an apple. Yeah, Right. And it's so stupid. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, who cares? So that wasn't me. Again, I was different. People didn't like that. And I didn't care. And I, I just never gave a shit. So the school, so they, this was such a big issue that it got around to teachers that I was the problem because there is this massive group of girls. They're spreading rumors about me saying like, I'm a slut, this and that. And keep in mind, I never, I didn't even have sex yet. I did nothing really, which yeah. is hysterical. Yeah. So it got around to teachers and they're like, this girl, Corinne must be a problem because everyone else, because all these girls who are all chummy with us, they think that they're saying that she's a problem. So the school did not believe me my own the upper the upper guys my entire school the staff the fucking principal did not believe me they thought i was the issue and i'll never forget because one time as the school year you know as right in the beginning of the school year this happened and as time went by the issues were getting what they were doing to me which i'll get into later what they actually did to me um but all of a sudden i realized i had no friends I had one friend in that school, in that year, that grade, one of my best guy friends, who I'm still friends with to this day. He was the only friend I had in my entire grade. Everyone else alienated me, did not talk to me, refused to be nice to me because they didn't want to be me. So they they would rather be a fucking coward and be a sheep and stick with that side and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck Corinne. So, so because of all that, they stuck with them and no, I, and literally no one would talk to me. So I had one friend, um, and he stuck by me the entire time and was like, fuck these girls. He's my only friend in my, my entire grade. And that meant so much to me. And it's still, I could like cry. Like that means to this day, that meant so much to me. Cause if it wasn't for him and it's like, that was hard. And during this whole process, um, the grade above me saved me. They all became my best friends. They're the coolest grade <laughs> in my entire high school that to this day, we are all still best friends and we're a big group of people. And I, I would probably not be alive today if it wasn't for them. I wouldn't be. I really wouldn't be. From the shit, they saved me. Wow. And they all know who they are because I'm friends with them all to this day. And I've been through, I've been with their shit. They've had shit go on. I've had my shit. And it's like, I take a bullet for them and they would for me too. And it's like, we're all still cool. They're the chill grade. They're the party grade. Yeah. Everyone got along. My grade sucked. And everyone knew that. Like, Corinne, your grade fucking sucked. Yeah. Like, I know. I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. I'm yeah. friends with a lot of them now, though, um, over the years. Um, and it's funny because a couple of the girls... Not the popular group of girls, because I was never friends with them, but a couple of the girls that I was friends with, the ones that turned on me, over the years, a couple of them actually apologized to me for what they did. No kidding. But I'm going to tell you something. What's wrong with that, for me still, Yeah. is because, you know what? That means so much to me that you can apologize to me because you feel horrible because you've grown up now and you realize that you did such a fucked up thing to me and it was terrible. And I'm... 
and I just stand and I'm like, you know what? Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you for saying sorry. And in my head, I'm like, if you only knew the damage you've done that mm. I'm still dealing with this to this day, you wouldn't even fucking believe what has happened to me and the reality that I live in now. You have destroyed me. But I never let the world destroy me because thankfully I have the strong willpower in my mind. I'm like, I don't care how much every day is hell and torture for me. I'm never giving up because fuck that. I'm never going to let any of them win. That's powerful. <laughs> and I think if there was an audience here, I think we'd all stand up and applaud oh. that one. Um, no, that is really powerful. What's Is there something that when these people confront you whether it was was it like on email or Mm -hmm. or facebook do they call you well one of them was actually the year the year after this actually happened one of them through facebook messaged me and said sorry so that was one of the girls another one we went to the same college and i saw her at the library and i was like i just like ignored her because i still didn't give a fuck i was like okay like i'm you know I'm not being bullied, bullied anymore. You don't fucking phase me. I'm not scared of you. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm on the line in the library in, in this college, and she's standing behind me. And I'm like, please don't talk to me because I don't want to fucking talk to you. And she taps me on the shoulder. She's like, Corinne, hi, blah, blah, you know And like catching up. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I've been amazing. Great. Um, and then she's like, you know what? I really want to say to you, I know this is random, but I am so sorry for what I did to you and like completely amazing heartfelt yeah sorry but the problem is is that there is so much collateral damage that is has destroyed me over the years no so this is like 11 12 years after and I'm still dealing with the after effects of what you all did to me so I'm so and they always people you know there's like a thing it's like you say sorry for you not for their reaction which is conflicting for me because it's like when you've earned it's great i'm so happy that you've come to this realization that what you did was wrong and you're saying sorry because you want to clear your conscience and you want to let me know yeah i'm sorry but little do you know is that you you did so much damage that you can't even see because i have (laughs) this poker face yeah and i'm really good at it yeah what okay so if you could choose, if, if they were to apologize, what could they say or do that would make that apology seem more real and do more for you? Is there anything? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing they can nope. do? Because they're not walking in my shoes. Yeah. They can't be my therapist. They can't do anything for me. Nothing they could say or do would ever fucking make me feel a better feeling and make me feel better about them saying sorry. Like I, But then again, then again I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Like, that's really great. I I feel really great that you did that. But unfortunately, (laughs) I am still dealing with all these issues that you can't rectify and I can barely rectify myself. So every day it's a struggle. It's an uphill battle every day. When I have my good days, I have my good days. When I have my bad days, I have my fucking bad days where I feel like shit and I can't leave my room because I feel paralyzed by my anxiety and paranoia and I'm always on red alert. I'm like, I feel like I'm in a war zone, Mm. in survival mode. I'm still to this day in survival mode. Does that then mean that, and I'm not judging any choice Mm -hmm. or anything because I myself have not walked in your shoes. So just a a question. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that um, you haven't forgiven these people 
or have you or how, how does that process even work? It's funny that you're asking that because I've asked myself that over the years and I know it's I, I usually in almost every situation that has ever happened to me I'm like you know what I will forgive but I won't forget every time but this situation is a little bit more stickier and it's like I maybe I I guess the best way I could put it is like I will half forgive you I will never fully forgive you because of the hell that I'm living in because it's so extreme so for me I know that it's like you know when you forgive someone it doesn't mean you're accepting and it's okay what happened to you what they did to you and I get that but to be inside my head and my body for five minutes I think anyone would agree how could I forgive these people fully because of of what I'm dealing with now and my mental health yeah so I can't say that I would fully forgive them. I'll never forget. I remember every conversation. I, I have a really great memory for somebody who dissociates all the time, which is not, which is rare. Okay. I remember like every conversation, every event, everything that happened to me, which is like a blessing and a curse. Well, I think for uh, for, forgiveness is a, a selfish thing to do. Like you don't do it for the other person. So no, when they, it's for you it's to for release. You. And it's totally, if you say I'll have forgive you or I'll forgive, but I won't forget yeah. Um, that I can totally understand. You know what? There's, um, there is something that this saying that I did learn because I, I am, I forget, I have totally forgiven them to a certain extent in the way that it's like, if you, you're, you're like your anger and hate towards somebody, it's almost like you're, um, you're drinking poison and expecting them to die. Mm. So that's like what it is. So I've totally forgiven myself for almost not forgiving them if that makes sense like it's not like I don't have any hate in my heart I really don't for that but at the same time it's like in this other spectrum of forgiveness I can't do that kind of forgiveness for them if that makes sense no I, I yeah no no it does <laughs> I know yeah it sounds confusing, no you don't but it's you're not yeah you're not making yourself <laughs> feel guilty yeah for yeah it's more of self-love and understanding for yourself yeah, I, I get yeah it. it's that's life. great yeah yeah so after all of this fucked up shit <laughs> happened, how, how has it manifested over the years? Because I know you've had traumatic experiences physically and, and mentally over the years too, which we can get into. But, yeah. but from, from, that, from that bullying, we'll just use that one word, although yeah, it, yeah. It, it is a big umbrella term. Yeah. Um, how has that manifested and, and affected the rest of your, your days after that? So I, I, um, it's really easy for me to assume that somebody is out to get me. They have different motives. And logically, I know all this isn't true, but unfortunately with PTSD, it's emotionally branded in your brain. So that's what PTSD is. It's like you have to, through therapy and EMDR and things like that, it's like you are rewiring your brain. You're connecting these neuropathways that have almost these knots in them like there's like a knot here there's a knot there this is this event this one and it's I'm when I'm around large groups of women or girls whatever I actually where I work like 90% of the people I work with it's a lot there's like 40 employees I work at an office yeah and the only men there are the, are the doctors and there's just a couple of them all the other ones are women and I love all of them to death I do but every day there's still that feeling of like just the fact that i'm physically in a facility where i'm surrounded by girls gives me anxiety 
just because I am there and I feel like I'm still in survival mode. So because of what happened in 11th grade. So logically, I know that I'm fine, but if there's any little tips between any of us or they start drama because people can be fucking dramatic and I like to go to work and work and I like to leave because yeah. I don't like drama. I've, I never have, but some people get off on that. And I don't think it's funny. I'm not entertained by this. I'm going to get pissed off and I am going to blow up on you because I'm like, I need you to shut the fuck up. I need the drama to stop. Why are you doing this? Why is this? And why are you entertaining this? It's so meaningless. It's such a waste of time. Yeah. Why Why is this a thing right now? It's so trivial to me. It's a waste of time. Why? What are you doing with your life? You I know? think, but oh, <laughs> I don't want to put thoughts in and make you relate to your experience any differently. No, but fine. do you think that's a blessing that maybe came out of that? Oh that you, you have no room for that bullshit and mm -hmm. what happens in the workplace and with other relationships that you're creating. Yes. And it's like, 100%. as you said, like what this, this drama is meaningless. Why are you wasting your time? Mm -hmm. Like, have you seen? It's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen I any other that. positives that? So many positives. Okay. Let's and talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there are like, I, at the same time, I'm so grateful that these things have happened to me. Because I almost have to look at it that way. It's like, you know what? If I can't change the past, then I have to think about it differently because I have to move forward and I can't let this destroy me. Yeah. So I'm going to look at the positives and I'm like, you know what? I, um, I'm so, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I'm very real. I'm raw. I'm very blunt and honest. And I, I don't have any tolerance for bullshit, assholes, drama. And I like it that way because mm -hmm. you also filter through people. I, I can smell bullshit from a mile away. Yeah. And if someone thinks they're manipulating me or like, you know, they can get me to like do or say something. And the meanwhile, it's like you're stuck in here and I'm seeing everything from all these aspects. So yeah. I can't I'm not going to entertain whatever you're trying to do or whatever it is. So I'm happy that I am the way I am. I think it's amazing. And I have to remind myself, you know, what, you are an amazing person for what you went through because you wouldn't be this way if, if you didn't go through that. Hmm. I think you can be also and you are now, but a. a beautiful and real voice for 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 children and kids that are going through uh you know bullying because hey boys have their own troubles in middle school mm -hmm. through you know we can there's a big problem in a boy epidemic with learning and socializing and all that yeah but girls can be assholes and vicious, vicious. the vicious. mental games oh no it's, boys it's will intense. wrestle right easier but, that's easier yeah, well for i wish sure. i wish i just <laughs> I got wish, punched in the I face wish. that would have been great <laughs> it's it's the mind games are what really uh what are, you up. uh it's torture wow it's total insanity so uh, other so you can you can smell bullshit from a mile away now you're choosing your friends wisely and have this beautiful filter that you've created for who will support you in life and you have those friends since high school mm -hmm. um are they mostly male friends that helped you through that there was the one guy yes and then the um, upper grades yes so i would say that most of them maybe like like 60 40 60 percent of my friends are my guy friends and i have made over the years because of this filter that i've acquired I have made so many amazing girlfriends and I still and it's it's a select few but it's like I have come to terms with the fact that not every girl is going to be 
like those girls and I have to give them a chance. And then I do. And then I'm like, holy shit, this is a great idea. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I still am making new friends. Like some people are like, oh, like no new friends, whatever. Like that's stupid saying. Like people like, you know, they Mm. like don't want to let make any new friends or something. I've never heard that saying. That seems weird. It is weird. It's like, I forgot the exact saying, but it's just like, like, oh, like no new friends. Like that's like this attitude that I have. Like I don't need any new friends. Okay. Yeah. It's like this attitude, like this type of like. I, I have enough already. No room for yeah, yeah, yeah. something like something that. Something like that. So it's like, but I totally disagree. Even being here right now, it's like, I consider you a friend. It's like we've become, Ditto. right? It's yeah. like, and just the fact of just being here in Canada doing this is like, if you told me months ago, this is what I'd be doing when I was like watching your YouTube videos and just like learning about <laughs> anxiety and depression and your take on things, I would be like, I'd be like, that's amazing and insane. And there's no, no way. Yeah. And I feel so grateful that I'm here doing this with you. Just you saying that locked me in the moment right now where I'm like, oh yeah, Corinne's in front of me right now. I know. Do you know what I I mean? I have to keep remembering that. I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause you came in, I saw you downstairs. We came up, we were chatting, Mm -hmm. but now it's like, oh yeah, you're on my couch. (laughs) Like, this is so cool. You're a real person. You you are real. And there's something about that in-person connection, of course. Yes. Do you find that, so through through bullying and, and if we connect to our past that way, we have these tendencies as we, as we get older. That's a well-known psychological fact. Mm-hmm. And you spun it in a beautifully positive way. And you're working through these things with a therapist and you're doing all this awesome stuff for self-improvement to work on you. Mm-hmm. Do you find that in, you, in your friendships... Um, did you so you first steered towards men as friends which a lot of women less drama there's less drama but i feel like that's also a choice a lot of women are making too a um, lot see that's the thing a lot of my girlfriends my best girlfriends yeah we are all the same we are all the same in that matter we all have more guy friends than girlfriends because there's just a select few yeah. and we're all friends with the same guy friends over the years because they're just like they're our best friends so that's why we get along because we are all the same can you are you able to maybe generalize or just from your own experience why you think men do men make better friends in certain ways than women are there certain things you can do with men that you can't do with women and vice versa or things to talk about i feel like with guys it's simpler Mm. everything is just more simple it's more not that it's on the surface we're dumb i get it okay yeah (laughs) simple-minded conversations if you will Nothing too complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, the best way I could distri- just describe it is just they're more chill. Mm. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to, it's just their energies. It's just having those guy friends and they're just, I don't know. It just seems easier because I guess it's also, I might be more, you know, I'm swaying that way more because of what happened to me too, I guess. But with girls though, it's like, the girlfriends that I have are truly my ride or die because I, I know that they are. We've gotten into arguments, all that stuff. And when you can get into arguments with your best friends and the next day you're fine, that's how you know they're a true friend. Because you can say something to them, agree to disagree, or have a complete blowout. And I've had my all of our guy friends, they've gotten to like, they haven't gotten physical fights with each other. And they're still friends to this day because it's wow. like, we're going to get over this and I was drunk or something or who cares. It's like you're you're like they're such 
amazing, meaningful people in my life. And again, if I did not have these people in my life in high school, which still friends with them to this day, our big group, which is so rare, um, I probably would not be sitting here right now. I really, truly don't think I would be. Do you ever talk to your the friends now that you've had since high school about these events in high school and bullying oh, and yeah. how shitty that was? What's their take on it? I've had them actually say to me, you know what, Corinne, I might be a little older than you, but I look up to you and I respect you and I think you're one of the most amazing, strongest people I've ever met. And once in a blue moon, I will have those awesome conversations over the years with them because they knew and they know exactly what happened to me because they were there for me every day through all the things that I was being put through that was done to me and then what I ended up doing to myself too in, in return. Hmm the unhealthy habits, which we'll, we can go into and whatnot. Yeah. But, but, I mean, they're all, and that's what's amazing about it is because they know the raw, real truth of what happened, what took place, what I went through, and it doesn't phase them because they're real people because they're, like, truly amazing, like, um, like big-hearted people. They have souls. They're deep. Yeah. We have fun. We care about each other. Like, you, they could tell me anything that happens and I wouldn't blink an eye. And I'd be like, I'm here for you. I don't care what it is. Wow. You know, it doesn't matter if people are have been through some traumatic experience or what, what age or what gender. It's like we're all looking for those real friends and people that we can really count on and people and that need us and the people mm-hmm. that are there for us. So that's amazing to hear that you have that that circle system you need the support system that's what i'm to say too yeah you you, anyone listening to this if you feel one of the most important things is to truly try and have a support system if that means even just one person that's still something and it not that you're depending on them but if if even a shoulder to lean on if you have a support system you are fucking golden if you really are, are you don't it's it's a lot harder it's going to be a lot harder. So if you can just try and find find some kind of support system, that is what saved me. And actually, in one of the one of my favorite um, movies that's still totally underrated <laughs> is Green Street Hooligans. I've I've ugh, I've never heard of that. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, um, Elijah Wood is actually the main character. Charlie oh. Hunnam is in it. It's about these gangs in London, which I know sounds kind of stupid in a way. But <laughs> basically, it's like you see how they all become amazing, close friends that have each other's backs. So the saying is, the one of the quotes that always resonated with me that I'll never forget is um, main character. He says, he's like, he's like, the best part about it is that it's not knowing that your friends have your back, but it's knowing you have your friends' backs, which yes, I completely love. and wow. I totally, yeah, totally feel that and agree with it, and it's, it makes hmm. me feel better. Like, oh my god, that's amazing that I would do anything for these people. Yeah, like I love having that feeling. So that means something. Well, that's that's such an innate emotion and need that we have as people. It's like not that we can count on other people but you're here for a reason because people are counting on you mm-hmm. and that you, people depend on you and you need to be somewhere at a certain time and that you're needed that's I'll like drop anything from my friends because yeah. i know they would do the same and i love that i would do that it makes me feel it almost makes you feel like special and good about yourself like wow like i'm an amazing human being and i would fucking do anything for these people and i love that 
and yeah, if you're getting up in the morning and no one gives a shit if you get up or stay in bed, mm-hmm. it's harder to to move through the day. Hundred percent. So you know, when you're count, even if it's you work at one of these big office buildings and be like, "Oh, Bill's not here." It's like, no, okay, Bill wants to get up because you're depending on him, right? So that's yes. a huge piece. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we fast forward through your story now, and um, we can talk more about the physical. Well, it's a, it all manifests physically too, but you were diagnosed with complex PTSD. Yes. Depersonalization disorder. Yes. And derealization disorder. Okay, and along what, with anxiety and depression. But what about the C word? Oh, and I had cancer at twenty one. <laughs> you just throw that in there with the mental I illness. I forgot about that. <laughs> yep. Well, what do you th- in your ex- obviously in your experience? What was uh, more work and energy intensive recovery between cancer and the mental health problems so cancer was one of the um i know this is going to sound insane but this was one of the most peaceful times and happiest i was that's insane and i'm gonna tell you why okay please do i'm, I'm gonna ready. Ex- i'm Wait. gonna explain let me get comfy for this one i know you comfy <laughs> okay so i'm gonna explain right now okay so my life ever since sixth grade when my parents got divorced i felt that because I am hypersensitive. So I, I was getting attention from my family, but I felt that I was still almost being forgotten about. My needs weren't being met. I Emotionally, mentally, my family was falling apart. Everyone separated. I feel like I wasn't getting the attention that I used to get. I felt like like I was like a, an afterthought in a way, which they didn't treat me like that. That's just how I perceived it because I just... I don't know, I'm an emotional person, like I'm very deep rooted and I feel things intensely. And after everything happened in high school too, I felt, you know, um, initially no love. I just felt complete hate towards me. And then again, my friends who saved me so much love. And then when I got cancer at 21, it was like all of a sudden I was being visited every day by all of my friends people cared about me more it was just it was amazing to see like how how um in this insane situation it was amazing to see how people were treating me it was like oh my god i have amazing people in my life and for this to be diagnosed with cancer that i didn't know what my demise was yet um they stuck by me every day and that feeling was one of the best feelings that i have ever experienced so I wasn't happy I had cancer. I mean, but I'm yeah. just saying that it was like I was getting the attention and care and I saw that people really truly cared about me. And that was a feeling that I haven't I didn't have for a while. When you were 21, uh were you in university or college? I was like in and out of college um okay. over the years. Like I went to a couple of semesters, I stopped, I took a break. Um, but at that time, I don't think I was going to school. I was working, but I wasn't going to school at that point, so I don't think it was an issue. Okay, but yeah. th- these people that were visiting you day in, day out, were those the- Best friends. Best friends from high school? Yes. Okay. That's why this is so deep-rooted for me, because out of everything, they were there for me in 11th grade. And now I had this, di- this crazy diagnosis where it was like, oh my God, these people are so amazing. I can't even, I'm like, I don't even know that I deserve this. I'm like, this is such an insane time in my life right now. 
So it's not that I was, I didn't want to die from the cancer. That's not what I wanted, but it was like, and I was happy that, thank God I came out on top. I cheated death and it was, I was so insanely lucky because I had skin cancer and I had a melanoma, which is one of the worst ones I mean to have. So Mm -hmm. it was a spot on my ankle. I had it for a couple of months and it just looked like a clear like blister almost. And I remember I kept picking at it. And I was like, why isn't this going away? And melanomas are usually dark. They're like a dark birthmark. Yeah. So they, I was like, you know what? Why don't we just go to the dermatologist, get it taken off? I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Get it taken off. You have to wait two weeks to to um, get back the biopsy. So I was waiting two weeks. And then all of a sudden, the, my, the dermatologist's office calls me. And they're like, you need to come in immediately. We need to talk to you about your biopsy. I'm like what are you talking about? Like, we took that off. It's fine. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell are you? They're like, no, you need to get here right now. This is like eight o'clock at night or something. I'm like, I didn't even know they were open. Like, yeah, right. I'm like, what? I'm like, why are you calling me so late? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, fine. And in my head at that time, I don't know if I was dissociating, but I wasn't worried about it at all. Like, I had no thoughts of cancer whatsoever. Hmm. I didn't even know what that, what that meant to me. I was like, I don't know what they're going to tell me. I have no idea. I'm like, I'm sure it'll be fine. But I told my mom, she was the first person I called, and she knew. She told me that she knew what that meant. And oh. I truly did not know what they were about to tell me. So I went there. Yeah. They sat me down. And they're like, so you have skin cancer, Corinne. And I'm like, like it's, it's, you have cancer. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, so what now? And they're like, so, they're like, I don't know if you're understanding. I'm like, they're like, you have cancer, though. So you're going to have to have surgery. Um, also... We sent out your biopsy to multiple labs, and they were excited to see your biopsy, which is not good, because it was a very rare aggressive case. Because I'm special, I'm like, why would it not be? They're exci- <laughs> they use the word they're excited to yes. see your case. Yes, they're like excited, like interested. Like these are like science people that oh, are I like, guess. holy shit, Something under different. this under this microscope, look at this. This is crazy. Look at these cells multiplying. Oh my god! <laughs> at a rapid rate. This is crazy. Let's yeah. send it. You guys, like, hey, you guys at the other lab, do you want to see this one too? Because this is really cool. You oh know? my god! And obviously, I know they didn't truly really feel like that, but, but like. Yeah. As a science person, I'm sure it's super interesting. So they said, they were like, if you found this spot six months later, you would have only had five to six years to live, hands down. Holy shit. So I was six months away from being totally fucked. I would have, I wouldn't have, I would have been six feet under like two years ago. I wouldn't even be sitting here. So I was insanely lucky. My mom ultimately saved me. Because I was just going to let it stay. I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm sure it'll go away. That was yeah. my plan. Yeah. I, it was an afterthought. I'm like, why would I, why would this be cancerous? It looks like a blister. So I am extremely lucky. And I am, you know what? Not everyone gets the luxury of going through a life and death situation and coming out on top and having it completely change your life. You consider it a luxury. Yeah, I do. Because I have to. Yeah. Because why would I look at it like like god I, it was such a terrible experience i can't believe i had cancer it's like what are you gonna do what are you gonna do it's over with i came out on top mm-hmm. and i'm fine and every six months for the rest of my life i have to get a body scan done where i have to stand in the middle of the room naked and they're <laughs> measuring every little birthmark on my entire body and they have a whole like 
I'm like known in my dermatologist's office. I'm like a celebrity there, if you will. <laughs> like <laughs> this is the girl that had this insane cancer at 21. And if I like cancel an appointment, like, okay, I'll call to reschedule. Like, Corinne, you need to reschedule with us right now on the phone. Like they will hunt me down. Whoa. So I never mess around with it. Okay. And I've had two other spots taken off since then, which were atypical cells. So that basically means that they could have turned into cancer. We don't know how long it would have taken for it to turn into cancer. So we're going to take this off. They take it off, and then I get the call. Like, okay, so now we're going to have to go back in and scoop more out, and here's another scar. <laughs> Sheesh. Was there was this just the surgery that you had, and then uh, that was it? Or did you have chemotherapy or radiation? No. See, that's the thing. I did not have to go through chemo. I didn't have to go through radiation. I was insanely lucky. I didn't have to do any of that. If, if it was after the six-month mark that they told me, yes, I would have had to go through that and attempted to maybe last a couple more years longer than five to six. So I was – like, I literally cheated death. Like, I couldn't – it couldn't have worked out any more uh, perfectly hmm. for me. Now, would you consider yourself a spiritual person? Yes. Definitely. Do you believe – everything or most things happen for a reason most things most things because sometimes there's no rhyme or reason why something happens and that's just life mm. and so a kid could be diagnosed with cancer at like five and pass away it's like well why would that be meant to be why how could you look at that and be like oh it was probably meant to be yeah <laughs> you know because it's hard for those situations so i think there are times where there truly is just there's only so much that like the energy of the universe can control everything or there's some higher power and there's some things that really truly have no meaning to them i think it's just life and it's not perfect and it sucks sometimes but if it wasn't if it was perfect and everything worked out then like what what would this place be? Right, right. It would it's be kind of it would be a, a boring, <laughs> straightforward story. Exactly. So I think what fascinates me about your story, mm-hmm. and I'll get to a, I'll see how this turns into a question. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. um, or maybe you can just comment. But you probably had like this very cynical view of people mm-hmm. due to the experience in in high school, and like you hated women and Mm -hmm. hated how people can treat other people so terribly so you had that and then on the total end of the spectrum then you ended up loving people and your close friends and Mm -hmm. it brings you to like this you said you barely even think you deserve it sometimes because these people are so amazing so you experience like the shittiest of the shitty Mm -hmm. that comes out of the human spirit (laughs) and then you saw like angels (laughs) pop out of people Mm -hmm. on this end too yes do you so where is this going um do you feel grateful you said you feel grateful for this this shitty experience that you had because it makes this seem that much better if people are listening and they're dealing with the shitty side Mm -hmm. and they're having trouble building relationships or they feel very cynical about the world and feel like, um, you know, sometimes some people feel like they don't deserve love or they're not Mm -hmm. going to meet the right people ever. What would you say to them? I would say to absolutely um, not live. You can't try and not live by those thoughts because I am complete proof that 
that's not correct. There are so many loving, amazing people in the world, and you have to remember that because there truly are shitty people in the world. We all know that. There's murderers, psychopaths. There's people who shoot up schools. Those are the shitty people, I'd say. Um, but there is so much good in the world. And there is. Sometimes, some days I feel like there isn't, though, still. I still have those days. But for the most part, I'm like, I have to remind myself, like, wow, there actually are really, truly loving, amazing, caring people in the world, and you should not take them for granted. Even if you could find one person that you can say that about, then that is still something and mm. make make it matter to you. Um, I think your friend that helped you through high school, that one, that one guy, mm. that is like such great proof that one person can just... A, like save a life, make a huge impact on someone else. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a really beautiful thing. Um, on those days where you feel like the world sucks and you're going through, you know, that paranoia, anxiety, depression, what are some Corinne takeaway tips? What are some <laughs> things that you do during those moments that get you through those, uh, those days? So... I mean, over the years, I've learned so much through therapy, CBT, DBT, EMDR, all these different things, the <laughs> yeah, grounding yeah. techniques. The um, ABC, ABCs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, the best thing that you can do, I think, is to try and sometimes I like to meditate. Sometimes you have to do something physical. If I'm really angry, I feel like I need to get that aggression out and you know, if I can get myself to the gym, which is hard enough, but if you could do that, that helps. Um, you have to try and, if you could just try and ground yourself and live in the, get back into the present moment somehow, do some kind of techniques. Um, try and just, you ha it's not like, it's so much, you can't just be like, oh, I'm thinking negatively. I have to think positively now because that's not, that's not going to work. It's not going to work because you're not going to believe it. If you think, you know what, I, I feel super ugly. It's not going to help by saying, I look like fucking Angelina Jolie or J-Lo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just take one thought, replace, we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. your brain, you're not going to believe it. So that's not going to work. So you have to find this gray area almost. Like, you know what? Even if I feel like I look like I'm ugly, it's like, all right, maybe I feel like that, but... I'm sure there are things that can make me feel more beautiful. Let me think, let me think what are those things? Mm. Try and get inside your head and tweak it and find it. Journaling is amazing. Anyone who's listening, if you don't journal, you need to start journaling mm. because it's almost like you're taking the trash out. Right. That's what you're doing. It's like you're getting it down on paper. You're seeing it visually with your own eyes. And it's like you're just like almost throwing up all these horrible thoughts. Yeah. Do these thoughts sometimes, so when they plague these days, you find journaling a huge mode of expression for you? Yes. But That's... there are days where I'm so, I feel so shitty and I'm so in it that I can't even write. There are days that I just really can't do anything. There are those days where I'm like, I'm not going to ground myself right now because I don't have it in me. And I just feel like I'm just paralyzed with anxiety and depression. I don't want to even leave my bed. I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to watch Netflix all day. And that doesn't help. Mm. But I always get out of it, whether it takes a day or a couple of days or even a week. As long as you don't give up, things will still get better. They will. Even if you see a, like a glimpse of something positive or something getting better, 
roll with it and remember it and keep I think just reminding yourself of those little moments just like how little things that people have done for me and supported me in the worst times of my life I have to keep reminding myself of these people that are in my life and there is hope and there are amazing loving people not everyone is an asshole not everyone is an asshole <laughs> oh my gosh should we make those shirts for the group yes not everyone is an asshole not I everyone actually, is an asshole that's great <laughs> there's still hope <laughs> yeah there is still hope i think on that beautiful note we will we will leave it although i would i still have a million more questions but mm -hmm. we can do a part two okay. when you come to toronto or i come to long island Sounds One day good. soon. Yes. Corinne, thank you so much for coming on the Depression to Expression podcast. No problem. All listeners, stay strong, keep being you, and don't forget to express yourself. End scene.